Hello, I'm Lydia Shambhole, and welcome to another episode of the Creepy Tech Podcast. This week, we are going to do a deep dive into working remotely. So we're going to cover how society is handling the transition, what your employer can see with monitoring programs, consequences and uses for this data collected, and how you can work a little smarter. Let's jump right in. Over the past two years, many of us have become comfortable with this new reality. Some of us are now unemployed, while others are adjusting to a life where we work from our homes. Pre-COVID, most of us made the daily commute, clocked into work, and knew that while we were in the office, anyone could walk by and see whether or not you were working. Our productivity was easily monitored because we were all physically in the office. While we understood that our IT departments could be tracking everything from when we respond to our emails to what we search on Google, most of us weren't as worried about it as we are now. Since your boss could walk by and check up on you at any point in time, employers did not feel the need to check your metrics and activity as often. As soon as the COVID crisis began, the line between personal time and work time became a little bit blurrier. Pretty early on, we began seeing an uptick in searches on Google, as well as news coverage of Zoom meeting mishaps, and the problems that could arise when our personal spaces became, well, a lot less private. The interest we were taking in just how much data our employers were privy to didn't just begin during COVID. In fact, employees had been looking for advice for quite some time. For example, in a 2012 Lifehacker advice column, a reader wrote the following. Dear Lifehacker, I'm concerned that I'm being monitored at work, but I'm not sure how to tell. I don't think my employers have installed anything on my computer, but does that matter? Also, if I'm being monitored, is there anything I could do about it? I mean, I'm not really doing anything wrong, but I don't like anyone looking over my shoulder. Sincerely, productively paranoid. The advice from Lifehacker was simple. You should always assume that you're being monitored at work. It's pretty tough to know 100% for certain, as companies can track through the network without installing anything on your computer. While this article is from early 2012, I still agree with this and would like to add that when in doubt, or even if you're not in doubt, (laughs) um, assume that your camera and microphone are on and that you aren't as alone as you think you are. It's safe to say that the tracking tech, also called Bossware, has only improved over the years, and the interest in the data has increased significantly. Surfshark collected data over the past one year showing that the recent shift to working from home is creating a hot market for tracking software. This software can track, analyze, and document what employees are doing while on the clock, and for exactly how long they do these things. Surfshark presented their findings in an article called, Is Your Boss Spying on You? Oh, you can find all the links I mentioned in the show notes um, on elshampole.com. Anyway, this article states that whichever device you use to log into work, your boss will have access to at least some of your data. Surfshark data shows that currently one in five businesses are using apps and programs on employee devices to track their online activities. Or have plans to do so in the future. Additionally, 62% of C-level executives said that their organizations are using new technologies to collect data on their people 
for insights into productivity, innovation, and business agility. When I first began researching this, um, a part of me started wondering, how and what exactly are they tracking? Is it just what I Google or what emails I send? Or is there more? And is it necessary? I also started wondering, should I be concerned about how much data they're collecting on me? Now, like Productively Paranoid said earlier, I'm not necessarily doing anything wrong. It's just, it's really strange knowing that every single thing that you do on a device is actually being monitored without any background information as to why you're doing that task. There are a few different ways that employers can track your activity. Uh, Typically, the methods used are determined by the end goal. For this episode, we're going to cover what they can or may need to collect. So they may want to collect things like your internet activity, tracks your browsing history, your bookmarks, your time spent on social media, etc. Number two, they may want to track your email activity. This would be things like what you write, send, or even your draft emails. Number three, they may want to collect your keywords and keystrokes. These can be custom, um, but they can track unprofessional words, conversations, curse words, and even differentiate between professional and personal conversations and or searches. Number four, they may want to collect data on what is on your screen, when it's on your screen, or for how long. And it's possible for them to not only have screenshots archived, but also the live video and playback of your screen activity saved for an indefinite length of time. Number five, they may want to collect data via a remote desktop control software. This is typically used by your IT department when they need to hop in and fix something or provide software maintenance, but it can also be used to take remote control of your device and revoke access if needed. So this all sounds pretty understandable. I mean, I could find a justifiable reason for why they would need to do each of these or collect data on each of these kind of categories, but it still makes you wonder, like, what are they using the data for? And one of the main things that I saw was most employers who provide equipment to you, so let's say like a company laptop or a phone, or they pay for the time that you're spent working on a personal device, but for work purposes, monitor or collect data to kind of prove or support their investment in you. <laughs> uh, since they can't physically see you working, they, they need that data to provide metrics on the time that they're paying you for. You know, basically to make sure that they aren't spending money without getting anything in return for it. Now, there's other types of data that they may collect, which are a little bit more in the gray area. So these would be things like data collected by your webcam and microphones. This data can be accessed via software that may remotely turn on and off your camera or microphone devices. They may also want to collect the data from your instant messaging uh, via your work equipment or your personal devices on company time. So these could be instant messaging. They could track your conversations that you have with your coworkers. Uh, Yes, the keywords can also be tracked here as well. Microsoft actually offers a service called Insights that keeps track of files shared, metrics on how long you worked on what, and a whole bunch of other data points. Keep in mind that most organizations actually have you signed up for this by default. Um, You can opt out, of course, but that ability may need administrator privileges in some cases. So just keep an eye out for that. They can also try to collect information or data from your company's cell phone. Uh, 
um, even your personal cell phone if you use it for business. Using these devices, uh, they can track which apps you have downloaded, how often you use them, as well as what you use them for. Um, they can also see what's in your camera roll, your text messages. Um, they can also see your internet usage. The camera and the microphone on these are also accessible to them, um, as well as the GPS location tracking. And I did go on YouTube and find some demonstrations of these software dashboards. And the GPS data is actually so precise that you can see which room in your house that device is currently sitting in and when it was last accessed, how often it moves from room to room or <laughs> that kind of thing. So if you're interested in that, there's links in the show notes as well. That being said, in case you're using your personal phone for business purposes, an article on openphone.co mentions that some employers will even install a work profile on Android phones or mobile device management app on iOS devices to monitor and ensure the security of the data that passes through it. And yes, it's legal. The article continues on to say that both scenarios would expose all of your personal data, your contacts, your photos, your text messages, social media interactions, all of that would be accessible to your employer. End quote. Better yet, federally, most employers are not legally obligated to pay you for your personal phone, even if you are using it for work. There are only a handful of states that have passed labor laws that mandate businesses to reimburse their employees for work-related expenses, and by handful, I mean just about 10 states. So if you're interested in that, uh, definitely look into it and see if you live in one of those states. On top of your personal phones or uh, personal devices, they may want to just monitor activity that is provided by Fitbit or an activity tracker. These would be things like uh, Fitbit, um, Apple Watch, if the company provides those for you, or if if you are claiming any activity, any fitness activity to get a health benefit or a reimbursement or a reward of some sort from the company. This data could be things like the amount of steps taken, um, how much you sleep in a night, uh, any fitness activity, uh, like swimming, running, all of that kind of stuff. Now, if the company has provided this device to you or you are claiming activity towards the health benefit, then that data would be accessible to your employer as well. So if you're saying that you worked out three times last week when you really didn't, um, be careful. You may get caught and they do have the data to... <laughs> um, come after you for any monetary gain that you got as a result of fraudulent claims of activity. Yeah, so another thing that they may want to look into is things like the data collected by badges, GPS trackers, and or key cards. For badges, those could be things that give you access to a building. For GPS trackers, those could be things that track the location or activity of a vehicle, a company car, and then key cards also. That's just to get you into specific areas of a building. These devices are actually pretty smart. Um, they can collect all data on movement activity. They can even have small microphones and these microphones can be used to record conversations. So I know that sounds kind of crazy, but in an interview for securitymagazine.com, Randy Vanderhoof, executive director of the Secure Technology Alliance, explained that a major feature is that since the chip inside of these devices has 
A microprocessor, it has all of the computing power of a laptop or a mobile device. It can run applications, it can do calculations, and it can generate unique data as part of a secure transaction. Randy continues to say that you can have pins like you would use on ATM cards or fingerprints, facial or voice recognition. He says that all of those are considered two-factor. Basically, it means that you have something that you have with you physically and then something that you know, like a password that you would enter in. And these devices are capable of these types of transactions. While these are great for granting access to, to office buildings, campus areas, etc., the data collected by these devices is not only accessible to your IT department, but also your employer, third-party service providers, for marketing purposes, of course, and in some cases, hackers. Now that we know just how much of our daily routines, behaviors, and habits are data points visible to not only employers, but also other businesses, uh, you may start to wonder how long has this really been going on? In an article on computerworld.com, Brian Kropp, the vice president of Gartner's HR practice, explains that in their case, uh, pre-COVID, they were already moving in this direction of passively monitoring their employees by listening to them and watching them, as well as using these two data sets to kind of ask them less and less for a verbal update. He continues on to say that what the pandemic has done is just accelerate the speed at which that is happening. They were going to get there eventually. In the same article, Phoebe Moore, an associate professor of political economy and technology at Lancaster University in the UK, states that whether or not it's necessary is another question, but it's definitely happening. There are a lot of new purchases in this software arena a lot of new investment, and a lot of new experimentations. And she thinks that this is a bit of a shift to these, at times, invasive practices, but we'll most likely see more of it. That being said, the invasiveness also varies in degree. Some companies are testing and implementing new ways to collect and analyze employee data or modifying existing technology to be able to provide monitoring services to large corporations. Current methods described by Hubstaff, uh, which is a company offering transparent employee management systems, they describe methods that include using a combination of data points collected by two different types of technology simultaneously. Hubstaff states that by using behavioral analytics and biodata, you can track and even predict employee activity. Japanese tech company Hitachi developed a smart badge-like ID device for tracking employee happiness based on distinct physical movements. With the data, Hitachi could figure out which internal teams were the happiest and why. Now, there's other leaders in the tech space like Amazon who the article states has used wristbands that buzz if an employee is reaching for the wrong item. The idea behind that software is to analyze workers' use of language to detect changes in mood or attitude. That said, regular employee surveys and check-ins with direct reports might, might alert you to the same thing in a less invasive way. Hubstaff seems to be advocating for transparency for any type of monitoring. But at the same time, while I read through their website and product offerings, they also have instances where they provide guidance on how employers should approach or get the support of their employees to monitor them. They also have a section where they answer the question, Quote, is it legal to monitor employees? End quote. And the first line of their answer is, In the U.S., for the most part, private employees have no right to privacy. End quote. A bit further down in their answer, they also advise that employers should keep in mind that what you are monitoring 
also affects how you can do so legally. They then follow up by explaining the different types of data collected and the instances where legality could be challenged. So it's pretty clear that employers are the target market for Hubstaff. And one of their goals is to make sure that private employers are aware that monitoring employees is not always a clear-cut legal versus illegal situation. My questions at this point were, number one, why even implement a business practice that could land you in legal trouble as an employer in the first place, right? Number two, what value is this software or system providing that these companies are even taking that chance? Also, why hire full-grown adults that you don't trust? Not to mention, ethically speaking, can an individual who needs that job even refuse to be monitored without facing repercussions or retaliation, possibly in the form of losing their job? We can't pretend that there isn't a power dynamic that typically influences any employee's support of employer rules or practices. Let's start at the first question. Why even implement a business practice? that could land you in legal trouble as an employer in the first place. Well, uh, conveniently, there seems to be four accepted reasons that most companies provide when asked about the benefits of implementing an employee monitoring system. An article by worktime.com lists the following. Number one, to improve productivity. Basically, to see where procedures need to be optimized to increase profits. Number two, to measure how workers spend their hours so that they can accurately document billable hours for their clients and pay their employees correctly, or for things like deciding whether or not they need to hire on more people to handle the workload. Number three, to evaluate in-office workers and remote workers when annual review times roll around. So that's for things like making sure that your bonuses, if any, or general evaluation notes are as accurate as possible. Number four, to protect intellectual property or the company in cases of legal trouble. This is basically to monitor and prevent employees from storing trade secrets or proprietary company information and taking it with them to use or sell to other companies during their employment or even after they leave the company. Or if the company ever has to take legal action or a legal issue ever arises against a current or former employee, then the employer has a record of that data that can be used as evidence in that case, typically to prove that the company did nothing wrong. It's, it's typically not in your favor if you're an employee. Okay, those are the four reasons that their need to collect data is justifiable due to the reasons above, uh, since these reasons do directly determine the success of their companies. For instance, in a workplace privacy data management and security report released by Jackson Lewis, they state that on February 25th, 2019, the Third Circuit held that a New Jersey engineering firm that monitored its former employees' social media accounts was not barred from winning an injunction to prevent four former employees from soliciting firm clients and destroying company information. In this case, several employees left the engineering firm to start two competing businesses. While still employed with the firm, the employees discussed over social media the possibility of starting a competing venture and transmitted firm documents and other relevant information outside the firm's network. After the mass resignation and 
a loss of a key firm client, the firm's network administrator was instructed to examine the former employee's work computers. During this time, the administrator allegedly reviewed browser history, including deleted activity, accessed personal social media accounts via passwords saved on the computers, and installed software allowing him to monitor social media activity without detection. The court essentially ruled that the monitoring was not unconscionable and that the firm could proceed with its request to restrain or stop the four individuals from continuing their competing businesses. I guess this particular case ended up answering most of the questions that I had, the sense that it clearly showed the why of employee monitoring from the perspective of the business owner. Simply put, companies want additional data that assists them in protecting their interests or business and profits, and even though they may interview candidates, and do background checks and all that, at the end of the day, they feel like they can't completely trust their employees. I'm sure they also realize that there is a power dynamic in play, but since they are the one with the power to hire and fire at will, they can implement terms and conditions to employment at their company. And if an individual refuses to abide by those terms, then their employment can be terminated pretty easily and a more willing individual can be found and hired in their place. Now, currently one could say that there has been a noticeable shift in the power dynamic between job seekers and employers, as we all may have seen in the prevailing media coverage, which in my opinion should come with a generic disclaimer reminding listeners and or readers that, quote, the information contained in this news broadcast is provided on an as-is basis with no guarantees of completeness, accuracy, usefulness, and or timeliness, end quote. After that generic disclaimer, they can then continue to explain that there seems to be a large group of employers nationwide who are currently having a tough time filling vacant positions. They're also saying that employees are finally able to evaluate the terms and conditions as well as negotiate a little bit more fairly and simply refuse job offers or environments that aren't in line with their needs. However, we all have to keep in mind that generic disclaimer. I'm sure that we all recognize that this is probably not the case for every individual out there who is currently searching for work. That being said, with the current economy, world events, and the ever-changing move to remote work, I'm sure this is a topic that I will cover again in the future, but for now, I'll leave you with five things that you could do or keep in mind when working for anybody. Number one, find out if your company is monitoring you. Now, most companies will mention that they reserve the right to monitor employees and the extent of the data that they're collecting in your employee handbook or manual. I recommend that you read through it. And if you can't find anything in there, just continue on assuming that you're being monitored since in most states, they aren't actually required to tell you. Number two, don't use your work equipment for your personal life. Yes, that means have your own personal cell phone, personal laptop. Don't use your personal email addresses for work. If you're working from home, consider having a separate space for your work equipment and your personal devices. Some internet providers can assist you in separating your home network by creating a secondary hotspot network that you can use for work. Um, I recommend that you look into that if you do work. Home. Number three, remember that anything you do on work equipment or during work hours is fair game and can or is currently being monitored by your employer. That means accessing your bank account, browsing social media profiles, scheduling medical appointments. If it's on an employer-owned device, it is most likely being monitored. So if you don't want them to see it, do not access it on their devices, their internet, or their time. Number four, think about what you send in your messages to your coworkers. So this would be places like 
like Teams or Slack. Don't send it if you wouldn't want your employer to read it. Yes, we all have a work bestie that we can all be a little less formal with, but consider just texting them on your personal phone. If it isn't work-related or if it can be used as evidence against you, just don't send it. Number five, take some time to actively research the laws in your state. It's always good to know what your rights are and how to handle situations where your privacy is being infringed upon. Last of all, remember when you fail to prepare, you are preparing to fail. That is all I have for you this week. If you find information that you would love to share with me, feel free to message me what you have found either by email, DM on socials, or leaving a voice message on the Creepy Tech Anchor page. As always, if you have a quick moment, head over to your favorite listening app and leave me a review. I'd like to know what you think about what's going on. You can follow me on IG at tech underscore creepy and on Twitter at tech creepy. You can find the links I mentioned in this episode on my website, elshampole.com. Till next time. Creepy Tech Podcast.